One day, Jesus was in the temple with his disciples, and he saw something that really captured his attention. They were there on a day when people were bringing their tithes and offerings to give to the Lord and placing them in the offering basins of the temple. And what Jesus saw was that there were a number of wealthy people who were coming into that line, and they were making large contributions to the Lord. But then he saw a poor woman, a widow, in fact, and she had in her hands two small copper coins, barely worth anything. And he watched as she clinked those coins into the offering basin. Jesus stopped and pulled his disciples aside and pointed it out to them. It's all recorded in Luke chapter 21. And he said to them, she gave more. She gave more. And in Luke 21, verse 4, he says, For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, gave all that she had. So why did this strike Jesus so much to the point where it stopped him in his tracks and he pointed it out to his disciples? It's because this woman, we we call her the widow with a mite, the widow's mite that she gave. This woman understood the basic principle that is commanded in this Leviticus passage that we read today, which is that all we have comes from God. And when we give to Him, we remember that He is God, and we tell Him that we trust Him. That woman gave the last that she had as a declaration of trust, saying, God, I trust you to provide for me tomorrow. She understood that all that we have is from God. And when we give to him, we remember that he is God, and we tell him that we trust him with our lives. This is the week two now of our four-week series that we've entitled Generous God, in which we look through the scriptures and are amazed at the generosity of our God. We can look backwards in our lives on the human timeline of history and marvel at all the grace that he's given. And we can look forward to the promises in scripture of all the grace and generosity that he has promised for us in the years to come. Grace given and grace promised. And in today's text, where we learn about this first fruit feast law that God gave his people, we learn this basic truth that the widow understood, that all that we have comes from God. When we give to him, we remember that he is God, and we tell him, I trust you. All that we have comes from God. Let's look at the text together and see how God communicates that basic truth. In verse 10, there's this phrase that you can just easily skip over. Listen to it again. Verse 10 of our reading today, God says, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, when you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, See how it would be easy to just glance right past that phrase, but God, before he gives all these specific instructions about the first fruits with ingredients and measurements and all of these rituals to wave the sheaf before God, before he gets into the specificities of the command, he says, oh, remember, it's the land that I give you, and the harvest that you reap is upon the land that is a gift from my hand. When you come into the land that I give you, All that we have comes from God. It's hard for me to imagine what it would be like to be a farmer in this agricultural setting in which 
Leviticus was written. But let's try to imagine it together a little bit. You've got the people down on their hands and knees in the soil, or maybe with a plow that they pull behind oxen, and they're, they're cutting trenches into the soil. And as they do that, getting their hands dirty there in the soil, God communicates to his people, remember this land is a gift from me. And as they look for seeds, in this case, seeds of grain to plant more harvest, God says, you didn't create that seed. It it came from another plant. And as they place it down into the soil and then cover it up, and then they wait for the Lord's provision again when they wait for rain to pass over. And the sunshine every day. They didn't manufacture the soil or the seed or the sun or the rain. When you come into the land that I give you, and reap its harvest. It's God's way of saying, all that we have comes from God. Now, maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, that was true for them, the soil and the sunshine and the rain and the seed. Obviously, those are all from God. I don't work with those things. I work with spreadsheets, and I buy and sell stocks, and I use the skills that I developed in the school that I got into, and the harvest of my crops is all mine. It's easy for us, isn't it, to get detached from this very earthy reality of harvesting crops and start to think that it's all us. And to that, I think God says, just like he said to them, when you come into the land that I give you, he says to us, when you come into the life that I give you, did you put that breath in your lungs, that brain in your skull, the beats in your heart? These are all gifts from God. Did you choose to be born in the place and time in which you were where there's economic opportunity when you come into the life that I give you? All that we have comes from God. The work of our hands, the skills of our mind, it's all from God. He spoke the universe into existence. So that is the first basic truth we see in this passage from Leviticus, that all that we have comes from God. And so when we give back to him, we remember, we remember that he is God. Like it says in Psalm 100, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, we are his. We need to be reminded that he is God and that we are his and that we are the sheep of his pasture. Let's pick up again and halfway through verse 10 with where I left off with how God communicates that we need to remember that he is God. God says, when you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the, the priest shall wave it. Now, I want you to picture this now. The sheaf of grain is just simply a bundle of the stalks of grain that people had grown there in their harvest. And God says, give the first fruit when the crops first start coming up. Take a bundle of that, give it to the priest, and have him enter into the sanctuary, waving it before God. This is a way simply to remember that he is God, that the crops, that the work of their hands, that the things they're about to eat, they're all from him. So they bring the first portion into the temple and wave it before him as if to say, we remembered that you are God, that this came from you, and that we are yours along with it. 
I don't know about you, but I love the moment in worship here at Stanwich. After the collection plates have gone through the pews and the ushers come forward during the doxology, holding those baskets, they stand right here and they lift them up before the altar. I love that moment as, as if we all put our prophets and our first fruits and our proceeds into this basket and we present it before God, just like that sheaf of grain presented before God in the temple, as if to say, this is all from you, God. I need that. I get to see it three times every Sunday. We pastors get to watch that. But that's a good reminder for me. Because on Monday through Saturday, Nancy can tell you, I have a relationship with money. It's usually worrying about it. I check the bank app on my phone to make sure the income is greater than the outflow. I earn money, I save money, I spend money, I invest money, but mostly I worry about it. And on Sundays, I get to watch, I get to have a different kind of relationship with money. I get to watch as the ushers present it before God as if to say, I surrender all. I surrender this to you. You are God. You are the giver of everything. I wouldn't have any money. I wouldn't even have breath in my lungs if it wasn't for you, God. So I bring this before you. Don't you does anyone else love that moment? I, I do. I see some heads nodding. I need that. I need to be reminded Monday through Saturday, honestly, I can forget that he is God. And by presenting those altar, those baskets before the altar, I remember in the same way that God asked his people to take the first portion, the first fruits of their harvest and present it before God. We know that all that we have comes from God. And we remember that he is God when we give back to him. So you might be wondering, is that all there is? Does God just want some of his stuff back? Is that why he's doing this, to remind us that he's God, but to get some of it back because he owns it all? Well, no, it's not really for him, is it? He doesn't need any more. He has it all. It's not really for him that he asks us to give our first fruit, our first portion. It's for us as a declaration of trust, just like that widow in the temple was putting her last portion in the basin as if to say, God, I trust you with the remainder. God is asking his people to trust him with the remainder of their crops. In verse 14, I don't know if you noticed this like I did. In verse 14, the command is this, you shall eat neither the bread nor the grain, parched or fresh, until this same day, until you have brought the offering to your God. Let's imagine this for a moment. Imagine again you're a farmer, you've worked so hard, you've planted those seeds in the soil, you've watched the rain come, you've waited for the harvest to come forward, and then you've worked a long work day out there on the farm. And you've harvested those crops. You're probably very hungry. You're probably very thirsty. You're dirty. You're sweaty. You've got it all ready. And God says, don't eat it yet. Don't eat any of it until you bring the first portion into my house. That's kind of a tough ask from God, isn't it? Wouldn't you think God, as a loving father, would look at his children and say, you're so hungry, you've worked so hard on these crops, please eat, eat, eat. But he says, don't eat of it until that priest waves the sheaf before the Lord. God is asking his people to give the first portion as a declaration of trust. He knows we're hungry. He knows we need it, but he's saying, give me the first portion and trust me with the rest. 
this is so different than the way we normally think. I'll tell you how, how we normally operate as humans. We don't think of it this way, that it all is from God, and so we would give him the first portion and trust him with the rest. We normally operate with a different principle. I remember when Nancy and I first got engaged 12 or so years ago. It was right around the time when gift registries were getting really popular. You know gift registries, don't you? You get to go online and find the thing that the bride and groom picked, and you get to buy it for them. Well, right around that time, they had started using this really cool new feature where they gave the, you go into the store, and they gave the bride and groom that little barcode clicker gun, and you just got to walk up and down the aisles clicking the things you want. It was so much fun. And so we went into Crate and Barrel, and we told the first staff person we saw that we were there to do a gift registry, we're newly engaged, and suddenly the manager appeared, and she said, come meet with me in my office. And we went and sat down with her, and she asked us what kind of things we would be registering for, and I remember saying something like, well, we don't need much, you know, we're, we're, we're doing fine, we, you know, we, we're just going to get a few things, and she, she looked at me and she corrected me. And she said, I remember exactly what she said, she said, oh no, you, you need to get the nice stuff. And then she said this exact line, she said, you guys work hard, you deserve nice things. You work hard, you deserve nice things. Isn't that something we think or hear all the time in our culture? This bothered me a lot. I was a seminarian, so I knew everything, you know, I knew all the theology. <laughs> Thank God he stopped my mouth from retorting. But uh, I'll tell you what I was thinking when she said that. You guys work hard, you deserve nice things. I remember thinking, this is a gift registry. These people are going to be giving us these things as a gift to us. She was somehow equating my hard work, which she assumed, she just assumed we were hard workers, she somehow equated our hard work with deserving nice stuff, nice things. That's kind of how we operate, it's how we think, isn't it? If we forget that all we have comes from God, and He asks us to give Him back a first portion, a first fruit, to acknowledge, to remember that He is God, and to say, we trust you, God. We don't trust our own hard work. We trust you, the giver of every good and perfect gift, the giver of life. So I could end the sermon here. I could show you what it says here in Leviticus, this law, and I could point to it and I could say, now go and do likewise. Bring your first fruit. Give your first portion of your bonus, of your paycheck, of your week, that's what the Sabbath is. It's giving the first portion of your week to God. And I could send you out of the church and send you off into your lives with this law, with this command. And just like Anne taught so well in the children's sermon, we would fail. We would fail at this. Don't we often fail to give God the first portion? Is anyone here, can you raise your hand and say that you have given God 10% of every paycheck you've ever received? Every time money came into your bank account, you brought it right to God. You didn't go buy something first? Has anyone here ever done that? No. So God has given this law that people find very hard to follow. And so what is God communicating here? Is he just saying, do this thing that you're going to fail at doing? No, he has also embedded into this story, not just his law, but his gospel, his good news that he has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves, that he has sent his first fruit. He has sent his one and only son. He asks us to give to him ourselves and our stuff, and he has given for us of himself, knowing that we could never live up to this fully. 
Let's read verses 12 and 13 again, and then I'm going to point out this basic truth that God has given us his first fruit. Verses 12 and 13 say this, On the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb, a year old without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord, and the grain offering with it shall be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, a food offering to the Lord with a pleasing aroma. And the drink offering with it shall be of wine, a fourth of a hen. Now, I know that gets detailed with ingredients and, and so forth and measurements, but let me tell you basically what God has asked his people to do. He says, when you bring that first portion, when the priest waves the sheaf before the Lord, I want you to bring three objects with you into the sanctuary. Bread, wine, and a sacrificial lamb. Now, a lot of you in this room have been Christians for a long time, so your imaginations are lighting up right now. You probably see the picture that God is giving, but for anyone here who's new to the faith, let me just say that again and show you how this Leviticus law points to the gospel, it points to Jesus. God says to his people, when you come into my sanctuary, giving me the first portion of your crops, I also want you to bring with you bread and wine and a sacrificial lamb. You see what God is showing his people? That he has given them grace. When you come into the land that I give you, all that you have comes from me. But he's also pointing to future grace. Grace promised that he would send his first fruit. He would look at his people trying to follow his first fruit law and failing over and over and over again and saying, I love them so much that I will give my first fruit. When John the Baptist saw Jesus one day coming towards the Jordan River, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus described his body and his blood with bread and with wine. That word in the middle of verse 11 should catch our attention as well, accepted. God says, do this, bring the first fruit, bring the sheaf of grain and the lamb and the bread and the wine so that you may be accepted. And we know that they tried over and over again, just like we do. We try to obey like Anne taught the children, and we fail. We could never be accepted before God if we were trying to follow the law on our own. And so God sent Jesus, his first fruit, to do what we could not do for ourselves, to die in our place. We are now accepted. And as accepted ones, we can seek to obey this law. We can give him our lives since he first laid down his life for us. We can bring him our first fruit, not in fear of not being accepted, but in gratitude of the fact that we are accepted in Jesus Christ. All that we have comes from God. We give back to him to remember that he's God and to tell him we trust him. Amen.